and I'm one of the pastors here. And we're in a new series today. It's going to be a three-part series, and it's called Euangelion. Can, can you say that with me? Euangelion. You just spoke Greek. Euangelion. And what it means, it comes from two words. It means good, and it means message. Good message or good news. And in secular Greek, it uh, meant, for instance, uh, the announcement of a victory over an enemy. Or it was an announcement about the king's birthday. But in biblical use, it's mentioned 76 times, and it always refers to Jesus and the good news about what God has done for G- in Jesus Christ. So maybe you're asking, well, why don't we just call this series Good News? Why do we call it Euangelion? Because there's actually a paradox with the term good news. Because what's good news for one person is not necessarily good news for someone else. For instance, when I I talked about the the secular uses of Euangelion, you know, it was, again, you know, the announcement of a victory in a battle. Well, if you won then someone else lost. Or if you're announcing the birthday of the emperor, well, guess what? Someone else had a birthday, and nobody announced that. In fact, uh, today, uh, we had on our, one of our team, um, uh, Kayo, and it's his birthday today. And we celebrated, we, we had cake And uh, we sang happy birthday in team time. But you know what? We don't do that in the service. Because it could be your birthday today. And though Kyle deserves to be celebrated, so do you. And we don't want you to come here. It's your birthday. And we acknowledge someone else's birthday. And it's your birthday. And so that's the paradox of, of, of good news. You know, what's... Good news for you may be bad news for someone else. But we want to talk about Euagelion uh, as good news for everybody. See, so here's the interesting thing bad news sells. You know, 10 minutes after they announce a storm coming, there is no milk. There is no bread. There's no tea bags. They're all sold out. Bad news sells. In fact, we crave bad news. We all want to feel good. And feeling good means protecting ourselves from threats and to do so we must identify bad things. We all want to feel good. 
And if we're going to feel good, then we have to recognize that there are things out there that might threaten us feeling good. And so we need to know what that bad thing is. You know, ever go on your, your feed, you know, and, and the stories that you read? It's interesting. Many times we, we read sto- excuse me, stories about things that we don't want to happen to ourselves. They may never happen, but we want to just make sure. And so we check out all these things. Bad news sells. We crave bad news. But good news saves. Good news saves. It says like in Proverbs 25, 25, Solomon said, Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. Good news sells. Good news, uh, bad news sells, but good news, good news saves. Good news has the power to impact us emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. If we're not doing well emotionally, we need some good news for our feelings. If we're not doing well mentally, We need good news for our thoughts. If we're not doing well physically, we need good news to encourage us, to make us look up and to be more hopeful. And good news is essential for our spiritual health. And so in this series, we're we're looking at how how do we share the good news of Jesus to those that are around us. How do, how do we share this good news? You know, it, it, yes, bad news sells, but good news saves. And so how do we, how do we share the good news of Jesus around us? Because, because we believe that if we can share the good news of Jesus, not only does that help us spiritually, but it actually helps us in every other area of our life. If we're helped spiritually, well, that's going to transform us uh, in our mental state, in our emotional state, and even in our physical state. And so how do we, how do we share this good news? Well, we want to look today in Acts chapter uh, uh, 2, and we're going to look at verses 44 uh, to 47. And uh, just to give you some context for the book of Acts, Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then we have Acts. And Acts is the history of the early church. And so we look at it as a blueprint for how we should do church. Now, when we look at these verses and when people look at the book of Acts, there's actually uh, two interesting thoughts on how we apply the book uh, to our life. And that is that we can either look at it prescriptive or we can look at it descriptive. So what do we mean by that? When we look at a a book of Acts in a prescriptive way, what we're saying is that what we see, if we do word for word, we will get the same results. And so literally, you just look at the results, you look at how the early church did it, and you say, well, you just do it the same way, and you'll get the same results. Or 
we can look at the book of Acts descriptively. In other words, yeah, yeah, maybe some things we should do exactly as they did it, but a lot of times it's more of a descriptive way that there are principles and there are uh, ways that we can use it that is maybe a little different, but it still is true to the text. And one of the ways we can know that it, which is which is, is this something that other churches did in the New Testament, or is it something that Jesus commanded? So we want to look at uh, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at this uh, uh, early part of, of the story of the early church, and we're going to look at, you know, how did they go about sharing the good news of Jesus with their community, and what can we learn from this? So this is what it says. It says, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. We're going to have a very interesting uh, uh, giving the tithes and offerings later on here. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Now, it's interesting because in the temple courts, they would offer sacrifices all the time. But there was specific times of prayer when the temple would, would open at 9 o'clock. And then when it, it would close at 3 o'clock, people would come and they, and they would pray. And so the church was coming at those t- times and they were praying and p- praising God. And then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So we want to look at this portion of Scripture today as a launching for our series. And we want to answer the question, you know, how can we bring the good news of Jesus to our community. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, I, I think there's three things that, that stand out. And actually, these are the three things that we're going to look at for the next three weeks. Notice that they began with good deeds. Everyone had everything in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and gave to those that, who were in need. Secondly, there was goodwill. Because it says that as they did these things, they grew in favor with all the people. And then thirdly, we have good news. Because it says, and the Lord added daily to the numbers those that were saved. So this is the pattern that we see. This is, this is what we're going to look at for the next three weeks. Good deeds leads to goodwill, which leads to good news. Good deeds leads to goodwill, which leads to good news. See, a lot of times we're good at the good news, given the good news. But we're not always good at the good deeds. And so therefore, yes, we're given the good, new, good news, 
But without the good deeds, we don't win the favor of the people for them to be open to receiving the good news. So we're going to talk today about good deeds. Now it's important to recognize that when we're talking about good deeds, that good deeds are the fruit of our salvation and not the root of our salvation. It's the fruit of our salvation, not the root of our salvation. In other words, our salvation is not based upon our good deeds. Our good deeds are a thank you for our salvation. You see, religion says, I have to. But Christ followers say, I want to. I want to. This is not about earning salvation. It's not about earning my way, getting right with God. It's saying, thank you, God, for giving me salvation through Jesus Christ. You see, we do good deeds not for ourselves, but we do good deeds for others. We do good deeds for others. And, you know, uh, that's, why, that's why we do them. Not for ourselves, but for other people. I want to just bring up this quote by uh, a Greek uh, philosopher. So he says, Know you not that a good man does nothing for appearance sake, but for the sake of having done right. It's not about us. It's about them. It's about others. It's about you that's in the room, and it's about you who are online, and it's about those who are outside. And we want to look at you know, how the church did their good deeds so that we can learn a pattern that we can uh, incorporate into our own lives. And the first thing we see is that, is that the early church, that they served in solidarity. It says... And all the disciples were together and had everything in common. They, they, they served in solidarity. They served together. You know, that, I mean, that's, if you want to know what the great secret sauce about the early church is, is, is the word together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They did everything together. And they serve together. Because, you know, there's, so many th- there's only so many things that you and I will do together. But the church, they did everything together. And that was a work of God in their life. They did everything together. And it's interesting that Jesus did very few of his miracles by himself. Most of the miracles of Jesus, he did together with other people. And so, some, so service is, is something that is caught rather than taught. And so Jesus was modeling. He, he, he said, you know, we can do better when we're together. 
you know, Helen Keller said this. She said, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. And God wants us as a church to serve together. You know, I began my uh, relationship with God in a Christian interdenominational drama ministry, which was called the Covenant Players. It was founded by a Hollywood producer in the 1960s. And I began my journey uh, in searching for God in that ministry. Now, when I arrived into that ministry, and they gave me a script, and they said, okay, Patrick, this is what the first play that you are going to be performing. And I looked at them, and I said, I don't perform. I thought I could build the sets. I thought I could do things in the background. And they looked at me, and they said, where, where do you think you are, you know? Uh, this is the covenant players. Not the covenant bystanders. <laughs> we do this together. You will perform. It was terrifying. It was scary. It was, oh, the, some of the worst days of my life. But I would not be here today if I said, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. I said, okay, I got to do this, and I got to do it together with you. And so they served in solidarity. They, they, they served together. They did good deeds together. And then they served sacrificially. You know, Pastor Jamie mentioned last week, you know, that the definition of sacrifice is a voluntary contribution. Selling their possessions and, and goods. That, that's sacrifice. This is not disposable income. This is not, oh, I got a couple of euros in my pocket. Let me just give it in the offering or, or to help some. This is This is sacrifice. And the interesting thing, it, it's, it's, a, it's a voluntary uh, offering because there's nowhere in the scripture that they were told to do this. They were told to do this by, by nobody. You know, they, just, they just did it. And you know, one of the things about a you know, voluntary offering is that, and giving sacrificially, is that, that sometimes... Our intentions are much bigger than our actual deeds. You know, I, I remember uh, when I pastored in the States, uh, one, of our, one of our members gave their car to somebody in the church who needed a car. And I remember we were, we were talking about it like, wow. You know, wasn't it amazing that family gave the car to, to, to that couple in, who needed one? And I remember thinking in my, in my head as we were talking about it, I said, oh, I'd do that. If God said to me, give your car, I would do it. That same day, 
I'm at the house, and Michelle says, oh, did you know that, and this other person who, who, um, who walked to church uh, said um, they, they were looking for a bike. And uh, you have a bike in the shed that you don't use. Why don't you give it to them? And immediately I said, I'm not giving my bike away. I might need this bike. And I was reminded that that same day I had said I would give my car away. And I won't even give my bicycle away. And so when we, when we say, you know, that we, we, we you know, serve sacrificially, uh, God may put us to the test. You know, Rick Warren said this. He said, he said, the best use of life is love. The best expression of love is sacrifice. The best use of life is love. And the best expression of love is sacrifice. They served sacrificially. And then thirdly, they served strategically. They took their possessions, they took their goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. The early church redirected their resources to best meet the needs of others. That possession, that good, they were using it for themselves. And when they saw the need, they redirected that resource to meet that need. And Frank said, no one has ever become poor by giving. So when we look about bringing the good news to our community, and we recognize in order to get the opportunity for, for people to be open to the good news, we have to back up and we got to say, I got to start with good deeds. And that good, those good deeds will generate goodwill. And then people will be open to the good news. And the good news, I mean, sorry, the good deeds that really are good deeds are when we do them together when we do them sacrificially and when we do them strategically and so the question we want to look at now is what what are the needs that surround us when we look around our community what are the needs that we can meet and how can we be strategic about that? Well, we know here at Lighthouse that one of the th- couple of things that were very strategic for our church is that when we had the lockdown and we were able to transition to online services, we kept the church together and we saw a lot of new people engage with the church. It, it was an amazing opportunity uh, for us to serve others and to see that, you know, in-person churches weren't happening. And so we, need to, we needed to make sure that we were 
doing what was best with our resources to reach people. But the second thing that we were very, we were excited about many things, but we were excited about our winter wonderland drive-thru. I don't know if you were there for our winter wonderland drive-thru, but it was amazing. We got together and we said, look, we can't meet in person, so how can we do something to bless our community? And these are some of the pictures of what we did. Uh, so we had, we had 700 people come through our Winter Wonderland event. We get, no, sorry, you can clap more because I think we had 900 people come through. Right, right, okay. I think we, 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 we gave 700 gifts away. And uh, we, gave 700, we, gave, we gave 900 Krispy Kreme donuts. I was going back and forth to Krispy Kreme purchasing all these donuts. And uh, just amazing, uh, the big red bus from OM, some just great things happened. And, and uh, you know, just uh, a fantastic time. We did it in Dublin, and uh, we did it in Navin. And the good news is uh, that we're going to do it again this year. Amen? So, so December 4th, on a Saturday, we're going to do it in Navin. And then December 11th, we're going to do it in Dublin. So we want to just say we are about good deeds and helping our community. Because we want to get goodwill in order we might have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Look, here's three things that we need to know. First of all, we need to know that we were saved to serve. You are God, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are God's workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. You see, we're, we're saved to be like Jesus. That's what we're saved for, to be like Jesus, to become more like Jesus. And Jesus was a servant. And we serve not again because we're trying to earn our salvation, but because we have our salvation. And we're, we're saved to serve. We're not ser- saved to sit. We're not, we're not saved to soak. We're saved to serve. And I want to just say, if you want to help out with the Winter Wonderland, it would be an amazing opportunity for all of us to serve our community. You are saved to serve. Secondly, you are made for a mission. You were made for a mission because you were, you were created before the foundation of the earth. You know, when, when you believed in Jesus Christ, God wasn't up there saying, okay, now I've got to do something with this person. No, before the foundation of the earth, he made us. And he made us for a mission. And the mission is to bring the good news to our community. And part of that mission is to do good deeds. He has made you and me unique and special. We're not the same. He's made us differently. Well, he's made us all for a mission. He's made us all to make a difference. And then thirdly, you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. God has given each of us so much. He's given us possessions. He's given us goods. He's given us talents. 
He's given us opportunities. And all these blessings he's given us is so that we can be a blessing to other people. That we can, be, we can, we can, we can bless our community. And God wants to use us. God wants us to be a blessing. God wants you to be a blessing. As we wrap up today, I just want to just say that the good news is not just proclaimed. It is practiced. We just can't, you know, you, 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 we saw in the scripture, you know, that, they, that they, they met daily in the temple courts and they broke bread in each other's home. If that's all they did, there would be no church. You and I would not be here. But they didn't just proclaim the good news. They practiced the good news. You know, we constantly say here, you know, people, people say, well, if God is real, why is there so much poverty? Why is there so much suffering? But we saw in that text is, you know, God has raised up his church to meet those needs. God wants to empower his church to meet those needs. The reason why there's so much poverty and just stuff out there, bad things, is because we as the church haven't been faithful to step up and do our part. You see, it's not just our problem. It's always been the problem because James chapter 2, verse 17 says, it says, faith without deeds is dead. Faith without deeds is dead. We just want to encourage you as we go into this Christmas season, as we look around at opportunities to do good deeds for people, we we just want to say that we can do more together. You have a part to play. One of the wonderful things about this church is literally we have people that come one Sunday, and you look around a month later, and they're serving on a team. That is amazing. And we want to just say, as we look at this series, that good deeds lead to goodwill that lead to good news.